money is never about money. It's symbolic. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know what the reason is uh, that motivates the not being upfront about it. This week, how serious is financial deception in marriage? Is it a total deal breaker or is it just something that we all deal with? Dr. Karen Sherman joins us to discuss. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep this short. First, thank you for listening. If you're a regular listener, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on. This will help others discover us. Also, if you like the podcast, I highly recommend visiting our website, hitchedmag.com, which is updated daily with new content and where you will find thousands of articles available anytime. Lastly, I understand that not everything we talk about applies to everyone. However, I am confident that if you go to hitchmag.com and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, that you will find at least one and probably more pieces of information each week that will help your marriage thrive. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, So Karen is a uh, practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is also the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. And today, uh, we are going to talk about financial deception. Um, So a new financial survey looked at the financial deception that takes place within marriages and how that might relate to marital quality and happiness. And so the first thing that I wanted to mention is the most common forms of financial deception were hiding small purchases from your spouse, uh, reported by 44%, hiding cash, 31%. And hiding bank accounts, credit cards, loans, or other major purchases, which range between 12 and 15%. Uh, The researchers say that all of this deception can be harmful. So not just the big things, but all of it is harmful. Uh, And so 67% of those who reported financial deception thought divorce was likely, whereas only 38% who reported no financial deception said the same. So, uh, with all those numbers being thrown at you right at the beginning here, Karen, how surprising is this information to you? Um, yes and no. And here's why I'm saying yes and no. Um, I think the it's not surprising because I think that the more deception there is, the more likely it is that you are going to get divorced. What is surprising to me is that the people who are doing the deceiving are astute enough to know that it might lead to divorce. I'm surprised that they are that aware that their behavior is actually creating a risk for their marriage. So that surprises me. That is interesting. You know, I never thought of that. 
You're right. So why do you think that they are willing to take that risk if they have that awareness? Well, now you get into a whole other thing about, you know, what what does the money represent for them? You know, why do they feel that they need to keep it quiet? You know, hypothetical. Okay, so wait, wait, let's go back even more. <laughs> okay. So, like when they say they're hiding small purchases, are they hiding them or are they just not mentioning them? Like a small purchase mm-hmm. is if I go out and I buy something for $10 and I don't tell Rich about it, am I hiding it or it's $10? Like, you know, why bother mentioning to him? Right. It's not something that's so significant. The study doesn't indicate if they can, you know, what qualified for hiding. Right. Okay. So, so that's the first thought that I have. But there are lots of reasons that that information might not be given. Let's put it like that. So is it because I need to feel a sense of control? Is it because I'm dealing with a partner who exhibits um, very odd reactions if they feel that they are not in control? Um, Is it um, a power struggle? Is it some kind of insecurity? Because money is never about money. It's symbolic. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know what the reason is uh, that motivates the not being upfront about it. Um, And so when I raise the point that I'm surprised they're that aware that their marriage is at risk, um, again, we don't know what the reason is that they're doing this behavior, um, and there might actually be some um, legitimate reasons that they've chosen to not be forthcoming. Yeah. It, you didn't, while you were talking, I was um, I was also thinking about something that we I feel like we've talked about in the past, which we, you know, if you ask people, what do you do that bothers your spouse? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm certain basically everybody could tell you something that they do mm-hmm. that bothers their spouse. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, so if you know that, why do you do it? Mm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of feel like the same way about uh, this like hiding money or what that actually means. But to take it to that next step though, so I know there's things that I, I do that uh, bother my... Uh, my wife, um, I don't think I would report that I think it increases our likelihood of divorce, though. Like, that mm-hmm. seems like it's a quite the leap right. that right. these people are taking here. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to move on to the next question, the okay. next question that I have for you. So 62% of the respondents who did not report any financial deception from their spouse were likely to be very happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or report that they were very happy. Thirty-six mm-hmm. percent of respondents who reported that their spouse had financially deceived them in some way uh, said that they were uh, likely to be very happy. Um, now, this one seems straightforward. Like, if you feel like you're being deceived, you're almost mm-hmm. half as likely to report being happy. So, um, do you think that uh, financial deception is merely an indicator for greater trust issues in the marriage, which is why this happiness gap is so huge over something that might really just be a couple dollars and cents. 
Yeah, well, you know, as I said before, money is never just about money. It's about what it represents. So I do think that it does uh, represent trust issues. And if the person feels that their spouse has deceived them in some way, um, then they are going to be hurt and uh, it's likely going to impact their sense of happiness in their relationship. Now, before we go further, I want to make one comment about the type of study this is. This is a survey. Right. And we know that there are different types of people who are willing to respond to surveys. So we have to also be aware that the di- the data may be somewhat skewed mm-hmm. or slanted because of the types of people who are willing to respond to the to the questions that's a really great point and i know we've talked a lot about this stuff in the past um and and moreover because this is just a survey and it's not a uh a full-fledged study that has gone through all the processes, mm-hmm. peer reviews that, you know, the more respected studies go through. This is really, you know, uh, having people fill out an online questionnaire or a phone call or mm-hmm. whatever. So you're right. That's that's a really great point. Okay. But I do think that, yes, of course, it, 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 it is pretty straightforward that obviously people who feel there's no deception going on in their marriage is are more likely to be reporting that they're happier than people who feel I've been deceived by my mate, mm-hmm. whether it be about money or where they're spending their time or um, what activities they've been involved in, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that, um, I, I feel like is also pretty straightforward and, um, you know, kind of getting back to this, this is just a survey thing. One of the things that I wanted to add to that really quick is while it's not, it hasn't gone through the rigors of peer review, uh, surveys typically show trends and, mm-hmm. um, kind of which way the wind is blowing a lot of times, a little mm-hmm. bit of zeitgeist without maybe necessarily being 100% accurate. So, mm-hmm. um, the study revealed that the bigger de- the deception, the bigger the marital challenge. So mm-hmm. for example, the, um, you know, if you took out, uh, had a bank account or a credit card or something that, that in- increased the likelihoods that you would suffer from, um, some sort of marital challenges. So do you think, um, it's the, the deceptive act that has that kind of impact, the greater impact, or do you think it w- it's the amount that matters more? So for example, again, opening up a secret, secret bank account that you might only have a couple hundred dollars in, or, Say you've stashed five grand, you know, in a so shoebox box under your bed. So you're asking me, does size matter? <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm yes. sorry. I just that is okay. Had to add some levity yes. to this. Um, no, the truth is, I don't think it really matters. I think that um, if you, it doesn't matter whether you're. Um, withholding $500 or $5,000, the act of withholding is what the problem is. And I have actually worked with couples where, um, and again, this depends on the personalities of the people. There are some people who can let things go more easily, but if I go for a moment to not finance, finances, but um, 
some situations where, let's say, men are looking at porn sites or whatever. And there are some women who can say, ah, it's a porn site, it's not a big deal. And other women who go ballistic, you know, it is really where he's cheating on me. So um, I think that we have to also consider the personalities of the people involved, um, their sensitivities. Um, But it, it is, you know, and there are some people who can say, you know, okay, so... You know, you didn't tell me that, you know, you spent $300 going shopping. You know, I'm, I'm happy that you look good. And that's why I'm saying that it depends on your values. It depends on who you are. Um, but at the end of the day, it is a breach in trust. Mm-hmm. And so I think whether it is small or large, um, it, it can become an issue. So really, it can become a challenge yeah. the relationship. So it's it's more so again getting um, to. I'm going to try to answer my own question with your response. Okay, um, it, the amount doesn't really matter so much as the feeling of being deceived. So the greater Correct. that f- feeling of deception, the greater the harm being. Correct. And what I was adding to it because I don't think I was articulate enough was that I think that. You've got to factor in the personalities of the people so that if, let's say, the female uh, came from a background where um, her her father cheated, mm-hmm. okay, even though this is about finances, it's still a trust issue. Right. So the husband could have hidden a hundred bucks and it's going to make her really, really upset, It's not a huge amount of money, but it's a major trust issue. Then I was speaking about a woman who goes out and spends, you know, several hundred dollars on clothes and just sort of, you know, little by little wears the outfits, but doesn't really say anything. And then the husband finds out, wow, she went on a $500 or $1,000 shopping spree, but he's so into her looking good Mm -hmm. that he doesn't get crazy over it. So I think that you have to factor in other issues as, you know, other personality factors into the situation. It's not a cut and dry, you broke my trust or you hid the money and so we're done. Right. That, no, that's a that's a great point. I'm glad you added that in there too because, okay. yeah, the, no, I, I, it's so true and it, I think that falls across pretty much uh, all, most bits of advice that we throw out there because people are on varying sliding scales of where they are in their relationship. So, yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, you know, what can couples do if they don't want to share every penny with their spouse? I think that that is probably something that should be discussed at the beginning of the relationship in the way that you, um, plan to manage your money. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong. This is my own personal take. In each of you having your own little set money where you don't have to report it to the other person. Now, how much that is, that's going to depend on, you know, what's right for each of you. Um, And I think I've discussed this previously, um, and it's not important at this point to explain why, but I've always felt like I needed to have some of my own money where I didn't have to go to Richie for money. And so throughout 
the time we've been married, pretty much, I've always had my own practice in addition to teaching and, you know, some other means of uh, income. And so we set up um, from the beginning of time that whatever I made that week in my practice, I took 10% and I kept that as my money. Hmm. And... I would then use it, and this was established also, that I could use that if I wanted to buy makeup, I could use, but I would use that like to buy gifts for him. I didn't want to have to come to him to say, can I have $100? And then I'd go out and buy him a gift. I wanted to be able to do that on my own. And so that worked for us, okay? And he would also have some money that was his money. And we didn't have to report that to each other. Now, it's not a huge amount of money, Mm -hmm. but it was money that we didn't feel we had to say, you know, can I have this amount of money so that I can, you know, go do this and go do that. And then we each felt that we had our freedom, so to speak. We could work independently, but that on the big ticket items, we would always consult with each other. Mm -hmm. And we defined what were big ticket items. That way, there's no deception. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's it's not like you're hiding purchases or deceiving your spouse because you've already come to an agreement that mm-hmm. side cash that you have can be used however you want. Correct. And, um, the, the other thing that I wanted to add to that is uh, you're able to do that because I'm assuming somewhere along the conversation, you when you figured out how much you would you know rake off the side, uh, it was because you could cover all the other expenses that you oh, have yes, of so course. that you didn't have to worry about that. So, yes. um, you know, I, I just don't want somebody to listen to this and be like, well, you know, on hit the hitch podcast, they talked about how you should take 10% of your income and set it up. No, 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 like, no. no, you have to be able to like, you know, pay your rent or mortgage or whatever and pay whatever else. Necessities Absolutely. Thank you for you, mentioning. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, you know, and, and then it's what you do with that disposable income that becomes the, the talking point. So, yes. Yes. And as I mentioned, it was not that I would go crazy with it. It, I said, I'm earmarking this for little things for myself where I don't want to have to come to you for a lipstick. But it was also this way I could buy him gifts at the various points in the year where I, you know, where we would exchange gifts and I wouldn't have to come to him like he was my father and say, can I have money to buy these gifts? So there was, there was, you know, reason for it in my background that, was important to me for me to have my own money. But to your point, and I think, again, I, I want to state it again because I think it's important, that was only after we knew that as a couple we could handle our responsible uh, you know, um, requirements. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, th- this is, I love, by the way, I love, um, like the system that you guys set up and, uh, I know there are other couples out there who do things very differently. I know couples who have completely separate accounts and yes. every month they, you know, what, if, you know, rent or mortgage, whatever it is, they each chip in 50% if they're, you know, both working or whatever. I know couples where, uh, one handles the money and basically doles it out on an agreed upon, uh, you know, allowance kind of a thing. Um, you know, it, whatever works for you, uh, as long, and, and this gets back to what you were just saying, 
it's it's an agreed upon system. It's not Correct. a system built upon deception where you're hiding things or sneaking things um, around uh, your spouse's back kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, uh, to your point, I have many couples who also have lots of different systems. There is not one right way. In my eyes, the right way is one that works for both of you, that you both agree on and meets the bills that you have and is comfortable for both of you. But it's not like this is the only system that works. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm thinking about... um uh, Gary, Dr. Gary Chapman's Love Languages, which is the mm-hmm. famous book series and stuff that he that talks about. You know, one of those languages is um, gift giving, like giving things, the mere mm-hmm. things. And so if you're in a relationship where that is um, one of the love languages that, that resides in your marriage, you know, that might, like this could become something that you really should be talking about because that comes with a price tag. So... Just wanted to kind of toss that out there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So the last thing here is, so let's just say that you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, ah, crap, you know, (laughs) I do actually sneak around. Like I am one of these people who deceive and I don't think that this would cause divorce necessarily, but it's something that is unnecessary. I, I realize that now they've opened my eyes. And so you no longer want to deceive your spouse and you want to come clean. So do you have any um, tips on the best way to uh, you know, come clean without causing any kind of harm? Well, I think that if you're going to come clean, what you would have to first do is say a whole bunch of stuff about that you you did this and maybe give the explanation as to why but what you've realized is that there is something far more important which is the relationship and you know that it didn't occur to you when you were doing this or you didn't think it through how the withholding of that information um could actually be damaging. Um, and so now you want to be upfront. And I think the other thing you have to do is uh, prepare yourself that your spouse is going to be upset, that mm-hmm. there's a very good chance that they're going to have a reaction and that you have to be able to hear it and sit with it and validate it and not shut them down or get upset that they're now, um, you know, reacting to what you've told them. Um, but, you know, like any time there's been some kind of damage that has occurred in the relationship, there needs some healing to be done. So... Um, I think that, again, it's got to be stated as, look, I know, I realize now that something I've been doing um, is really not the best way to do it. And I have two choices. I can continue doing it or I can come up clean and and tell it to you um, and we can work it through um, and hopefully you know, come out the other end and, and not have it be a problem going forward. And I'm, I'm prepared to, uh, be upfront and also to help us get through the challenge of whatever damage I may have caused. Um, you know, to me, it's not any different than if somebody's had an affair. Mm. Um, you've got to be able, because that's a trust issue also, right. to um, help your partner um, 
deal with the reality of it and uh, their reaction to it and not just say, you know, well, uh, I've told you now, get over it. (laughs) You know, Um, there's lots of feelings that are going to come about and lack of trust. And it's probably a discussion that's going to, and questions that are going to occur more than just this first open admission. So be prepared for that. Mm, That's a great point. Yeah. Um, I actually don't have anything to add on top of that, but I wanted to ask you, is there any other final thought that you had on this topic? No, not really. Um, you know, it, it, this is an important topic. Um, and the only thing I do want to say is that if you are starting your relationship or you're about to get serious, do think seriously about um, talking about how you want to manage your money up front. Much easier to have this discussion as you start your relationship than after the fact. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I just to add on to that really quick, one of the things that I found most helpful was um, uh, my wife and I had a conversation with a life insurance person who mm-hmm. was basically trying to exp- like figure out who we are and what our goals were and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he really delved into was... So what what does money mean to you? Like why? Like why do you want mm-hmm. to have this money? And mm-hmm. um you know it it for me like I know for me it means security, you know, uh, mm-hmm. not being home like that's being homeless is like a big fear of mine. And so it was really cool though because we had to both explain why we wanted to make the money that we were trying to make. Because it might be for things that we wanted, or it might might be because we wanted to travel, or it might be to you know for security purposes, or all sorts of reasons why. But understanding why um, also helped understand what a, what deception might actually mean and what harm it might cause. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't know what the money means, then it's hard to know what kind of damage you can actually cause to somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really helpful. Um, and so if you're having the conversation, I just kind of toss that in there as something to ask about. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a good point. Very good point. Um, okay. Well, with that, um, I think we can wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. And uh, Thank you, Steve. Yeah, and it's always insightful. So I love it. Um, and so before you guys go, I do want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information at the website, drkarensherman.com. We have this info listed on our website, hitchedmag.com, as well as uh, all the past podcasts uh, archived there um, and thousands of articles. So check those out uh, and uh, do a little search. So um, until next time, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. We're on top of the world.